This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. Dot .fm to get started. Peace. What's up guys? I'm flying solo today. I am interviewing our coach Cody Jefferson of Embrace the Lion and you don't want to miss this one. If you're a dude, we talk about all dude things, right? And we especially take a deep dive into mental health and how important that is for us guys. We think we can do it alone, but we can't, y'all. So check this episode out. I promise you'll like it. Cody, what's up, my man? How's it going, brother? What's going on, man? It's going really well. How are you doing? It's good. It's good. It's good to see you. We we got some good weather here out in Seattle. I've been taking the kids snowboarding lately, which is super cool, and uh, it's just it's just super exciting. So, um, just <laughs> a little. Snow, is snow good weather? Snow good weather. Is snow good weather? Oh yeah, yeah. It okay. it, is, it is for me. Yeah. And, okay. Well, and, Oklahoma, like that's if, if it's snow, that means that everything is shut down because so, we don't yeah. know what to do with our minds. No, yeah. that, that's how it was growing up in South Carolina. It's like, okay, if you see one flake, milk gone, bread right. gone, oh, sure. and nobody yeah. goes anywhere, right? Yeah. But it's out like, here, yeah. It's it, like March 2020, just nothing's on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it's super trippy. But yeah, snow up in the high mountains, that's good weather. We got four-wheel drive, we're good to go. But um, so just to give uh, our listeners a little backstory. So Cody has been on the show before. It was, I think you were on season one a long time ago when we oh, first geez. started hanging out. It was like four years ago, I think. And uh, Cody has been our coach, mine and Melanie's coach. So when we talk about coaching, this is the dude that we're talking about. Cody's the high-performance marriage coach. Why don't, why don't I let you tell who you are to our listeners? Yeah, so uh, sure. Cody Jefferson. Uh, so I've been in the space for about four, four and a half years now. Uh, the tagline would just be helping good men become great and helping great men create movements. And so over the past four, four and a half years, uh, have created a community of just over 4,100 guys. Uh, we focus on four pillars, head, heart, health habits, how you treat your mindset, how you treat your relationships with yourself, with others. And uh, I'm a believer, former pastor of 13 years. So 
relationship with God, mm-hmm. how you treat your body, and then how you treat your time. Typically, time is, is reflective of business. I typically work with CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, coaches, consultants, speakers, pastors, right? And uh, helping and create a robust interpersonal value so that we can then uh, increase enterprise value or company corporate value. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, been, it's been great, man. If I'm, if I'm not here jamming out uh, behind a desk, uh, leading and walking with people, I'm typically on the road speaking. So, awesome! And I know your speaking circuit is like ramped up now that COVID has kind of died down a little bit. Yes. Um, sounds like you're a pretty busy dude going on, huh? Dude, it's it's been great. It's been great. We, uh, yeah, fortunate to have been really really busy, and uh, well, I say that really intentional. So mm-hmm. it's great. Right on, right on. Yeah. One of the things, and we're going to just kind of dive around, jump around anywhere here. Um, I, I'm liking to do this series with just me because we're we're talking to dudes. And women too, of course, women can give value to this, but I really find being in this space for guys, uh, at least yeah. our, our, our demographic, which, you know, from sure. 20, 24 to maybe 44 or whatever, it's like, guys, we, we, we hear things differently when we hear other dudes say it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, when, when, the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear kind of thing. Totally. Melanie, Melanie has told me things a hundred times and I hear it from our mm-hmm. coach, like from you or some other <laughs> podcaster, dude. I'm like, ah, wait a minute. Did sure. you hear that? And Melanie's like, yeah, I've been telling you for five years, but there's a power in men speaking to men. So just tell us a little bit about um, where that has shown up for you in your life. Cause I know that you've done coaching too. And who are some men that have kind of impacted you in that way? That's like, Oh, I needed to hear that. Oh, that's really great. So, and, and we can take this from a lot of different frames and it's, you know, there, there's a, there's a healing that happens and reconciliation that happens when, when a man creates a trust and an equity with another, right? Because for so many of us, there's, there's been some sort of, and and you can speak into this far more eloquently than I can being a therapist, but there's a wounding that happens between men, especially between fathers and sons. And there's a Mm -hmm. reconciliation that often doesn't ever happen. And so, so often we find ourselves in patterns and in cycles that aren't necessarily useful. They're not necessarily healthy, but they're what we've always known. And so they're familiar. And so the brain just loves patterns on the backside of that. Then we get addicted to this idea of performance and accolade because in the back of our mind, in some way, shape or form, we're just trying to make somebody proud of us. And typically Mm -hmm. who we're trying to make proud of us is a parent that we never got that affirmation from. Right. And so when we can heal that, with uh, a powerful, you know, authoritative guy that we trust that can also on the backside of that show us empathy, understanding, care, and compassion, that we find a real winning scenario there. So guys that have been really, really instrumental in my journey, obviously my grandfather, obviously my dad, um, there are pastors in my life that have been absolutely instrumental, more forward facing to where I'm at now. Uh, the guys in my life, I've got a very small circle of of incredibly close friends, most of them out, you know, in Newport Beach, um, mm. who hold me radically accountable to the man that I say that I am mm. and to the man that I say that I'm going to be. And it's it's not so that I can collect trophies. It's not to collect accolades. It's not because we all have this competition about who's going to make the most or be the most or give the most. It's mm. because we recognize there's a potential in us. And so when you walk alongside men, when I walk alongside men, it's to call out the best in them. And sometimes that means that we have to, uh, we have to be a bit triggering sometimes, but then on the backside of that, we understand there's a safety. So uh, like guys that I would highlight that have been instrumental, uh, both directly and indirectly, mm-hmm. um, guys who've been on the show, guys like Ryan Mickler, right? Uh, yeah. Some of some of my close friends, uh, Garrett J. White, who runs Wake Up Warrior, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Yaki, who is one of my best friends, uh, guys like Mark Lack, who have been so instrumental in helping me build the brand that I have and help me understand uh, proper marketing. Um, these guys are foundational because they they not only walk the walk in business, but they but they walk the walk in their lives and in their personal lives, and so that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. again, there's something about there's something about being seen. But there's something deeper about being known. And when men can experience the vulnerability of being known so that it can call out their greatness, something really magic happens. And we're able, we're able to step more into our masculinity in that way. Yeah, man, there, there, I'm having so many thoughts of like, oh, I'm going to go that direction and this direction. But um, so, so yeah, you mentioned, obviously, our listeners know I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and yeah. I've also done therapy, right? Anything sure. from uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral stuff to DBT and to EMDR, which we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about yeah. that on the show. And mix all that stuff with the power of um, healing uh, with other men from yeah. maybe something that we didn't get from the men in our life growing up or something is sure. so freaking powerful. And it is almost like, hey, you have permission. You're okay. I've been there before. Let me, let me help you with that, right? Well, yeah. And, uh, with with, with um, some of our clients, uh, therapy and with coaching, I do this practice called reparenting, right? And mm-hmm. it's a whole long thing. I'm not going to get into it. But the idea is, okay, me as a man, right, knows exactly what the six, seven, eight, nine-year-old boy, Seth, needs to hear, right? So you yeah. kind of go into this like trippy, you, you get like super quiet and you're very like in your, in your brain, right? And you go, okay, the adult me, the, the grown-ass me, right? The, right? the man here is going to speak to the six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid and say, Oh, you got this. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I know exactly how you feel. I remember that. And then yeah. it's like you're reaching back in time and pulling that little boy or or whatever back up. And like when you come out of that, I, I yeah. swear it is so so powerful. And I even get excited. You know, like all yeah. the men that I've done yeah. that with, just bawling, bawling, would, crying. Can I? Sh- I would love to share a story of how that actually happened to me recently. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so. I was on a trip, uh, just a little vacation, little mini vacation with my son mm-hmm. and his mom and her husband. So like I, I, I vacation with my co-parents, like we're best friends. Uh, mm-hmm. people think it's odd. We, we, it works for us. We love it. It's good um, modeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, uh, at the end, uh, of every day of the trip, we're taking a shuttle back to our hotel and my son who is six will climb up in my arms and, and he just falls asleep cause he's just so tired. Cause mm-hmm. we go, we go so hard. And, uh, that uh, that week before in therapy, so I go to therapy every single week, right? Mm-hmm. So I have high performance coaches, I have mentors, and I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. And my therapist is a woman, and we can even chat about why that's been so powerful. But uh, at any rate, we're, we're walking through this scenario of when I was around six or seven, and I had a parent who was just really emotionally unstable, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of you know suicidal ideations and romanticizing and conversations just almost every day. <laughs> And I was always the one who was holding everything together. Like he couldn't not be okay. Like I was always the one that had to make sure that everything was okay, mm-hmm. which now years down the road, obviously is why I identify as a three wing two on the Enneagram and why I'm a performer. And we can, like, we can dive into all of that. Mm-hmm. So she asks me, my therapist asked me like, what did you need in that moment? I said, I just needed to secure the situation. I need to make sure everything was okay. She mm-hmm. said, no, but like, no, what did you actually need? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's what I needed. I needed to make sure everything was okay. I couldn't get there. And she's like, Cody, 
what did six-year-old Cody need? Go back there. And mm. I lost it. Yeah. And I was like, I probably just needed what I was giving, which was just somebody to hold me and say, it's okay. Right. Fast forward. Like four days later, I'm with my son. I'm holding him. He's sleeping. I was never really held as a child. Like that wasn't a frame for me growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very affectionate with my son, recognizing I, that wasn't a thing for me. So I am that way. Mm. And It was so weird, Seth. Like in that moment, I was like out of myself and I recognized that I was the six-year-old that was my son and I was holding him, but I was comforting myself. Dude, I lost it. Yeah. Like my my son's mom actually took a picture of it because it was just such a life-changing experience for me. So everything you're saying, like it's hitting me in a different way because I'm like, dude, I literally just experienced that. Yeah. And it's it, wild. It, it's so, I mean, even I, I didn't really learn about this in grad school therapy and stuff. It was, you know, years later, yeah. having experienced it myself and then being able to walk through other men and also women that have done, done that with several women, uh, just the, the power. And when you say like out of body experience, it is like, <laughs> you know, obviously there's no like drugs or anything, you know, right, sure. trippy, psychedelics <laughs> things going on, but just the power yeah. of the mind to do that. Like, okay. I am, I'm, it's like you're, you're two people in one. It's, I'm the, I'm the wild. current man. And then yes. that kid right now. Yes. And, it, and it's, it's, it's just amazing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know we, we've talked about EMDR and the power of that and yes. EMDR is really helpful in rewiring some of those pathways, right? Mm-hmm. Because we get so caught up, whether it's trauma or just other maladaptive reactions or behavior was like, Oh, this is our rut. Right. And we always right. go to what we know. So EMDR was really invaluable uh, for me to blow up those ruts, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, oh, and, and walk differently. It was a, it, like, I, I went deep fast, mm-hmm. right? We can make some jokes about that, but uh, <laughs> like, it, and done. <laughs> yeah, and we're done. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I just went in because I recognized like, if this is going to help heal some things, like, let's just go. And dude, it was a shit show. It was so messy. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, what I'm finding now, interestingly enough, on the backside of that, and now doing like talk therapy and, and other kind of uh, behavioral therapies, mm-hmm. what I'm finding most fascinating now having a therapist who is, she's got more degrees than I've got excuses. Mm-hmm. And she's so intelligent. So now getting to really marry like the logic and the intellect of now that you know what you know, now let's look at why the brain does why it does. Let's look at all of the adaptive states. Let's look at sympathetic and parasympathetic. Like, let's look at all of these ways in which we can now create new paradigms. Mm. And that I'm like geeking out over all of that because now I can take all of that and I can use that. Right. And you can leverage that to li- literally do anything you want to. At 100%. Right. And with, with, with our coaching clients and with, you know, just people we talk to, I'm like, you know what, we, we really can do this. You got it. You know, it's an upper limit problem or, 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 or whatever, whatever you want to call it, self-sabotaging it's Mm -hmm. with, with enough work and with enough time and consistency in the same direction, you actually, you actually can get there. Right. And if I could just shake people and say, bro, okay, for real, you, you can, right. And sometimes I have to shake myself. And, yeah. and so there, there's a power uh, to that. When I have gotten my ass handed to me by my coach, right? I, you, 
Or one of the other most powerful times where I just got ripped to a new one, which was great, by the way. Don't be scared of it if you're scared of it. Was uh, we were in therapy, me and Melanie, when we were going through the terrible time, obviously, that we had. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, and and this is an adult guy, right? Successful. It was like a grandpa. I I had utmost respect for him. That's number one. You have to respect the the people you're working with or else it won't work, right? And he just looked at me square in the eye and said, Seth what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was yeah. like, Oh God, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have an answer. And it was that moment. Yeah. It was like, okay, change, boom. Right. And yeah. there's, there's been times in uh, when, during our coaching process, when you've asked the same question, not verbatim, of course, but like, bro, what, wait, what? Right. And then there's yeah. also times where you, one of my, and I think I've told you this before in past coaching sessions, but you said, cause we were talking about like my upper limit problems and stuff like that. And you were like, Seth, if you don't build this empire of a marriage podcast and this coaching business and all this other stuff, somebody else will. Why not you? If you don't do it, somebody else will. Yeah. I mean, really the, the, the only frame is like, who's going to be committed longer? Who's going to be committed to growth? longer? I think, especially for the guys that are listening, like we carry so much shame and guilt around ideas and around frames of the past. Mm -hmm. Your life may have been, a train wreck. You may be, you may feel like a train wreck now. You may have had a really, really torrential history. You may have made some really, really big mistakes. Okay. But we can't move into a frame of the future so long as we're focused on a paradigm of the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything happens through the portal of the present. Every, I was a pastor. Everything's alliteration, apparently. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> but like everything happens to the present. And so many guys were so hung up on ideas that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're so afraid of what could actually happen and who we'd have to become based on those stories. Right? So we just stall and we have this upper limit. We have this glass ceiling that we won't break through. Mm-hmm. And it's some of it is because of who we've been, but some of it is like, we don't want to confront who it's going to require, require us to become. Yeah, because what's that going to expose? Like, especially if we have a shame narrative, we're going to go, oh, shit. Well, if I try to do this, it'll just shed light on all these years when I've just not been doing stuff, right? And then we feel guilty or shame around that. But we it doesn't exist. Right, right. And you said the power is in the present. And, you know, I've been reading some Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now and all this stuff. And honestly, if you get really deep into that stuff, it makes so much sense because the past we, it, it, it's clearly done. In fact, it right. isn't there, right? It's not it's there. non-existent except for right. just memories, right? And then the future. And those are all biased, Seth. All of those memories right. serve as a confirmation bias to, to confirm the suspicions of where you are today. Your mm-hmm. past isn't real. Your past is only a confirmation of what you choose for it to mean, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's so, why so you speak can tell that. me yours. Yeah. So just speak on that because I'm thinking of coaching clients and other folks we talk to is like, Oh, I failed that one time. So I'm not going to do anything again. But, but like the, the power of confirmation bias is so strong and it holds so many people back. But just ex- it, talk a, a briefly on how that, that impacts you and how you t- talk to your clients about that. Yeah. So we can look at failure as shame, mm-hmm. condemnation, guilt, right? And so, for, and especially for those of us that were raised in the context of, of a spiritual everything in the church, right? Like, 
that is what like anything in our past that was it's it's all something we have to be reconciled from right but if you can look at failures feedback right that it doesn't make you good bad or indifferent like if we can look at something we can say man you know what i was a real shit show in that relationship mm-hmm. but with the frame of my mentality knowing what i knew not understanding my triggers my coping mechanisms my unhealthy codependency like not knowing all of the baggage and weight that i was carrying into it that i now know now how can i have guilt around a person that doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. All I can do is move forward. So if we look at failure as feedback, not as a definition or an assignment, mm-hmm. well, then we can remove its power to hold us hostage, right? Mm-hmm. Because the ego is the, the, the ego, the shadow self, we can call it, is the one who wants to hide, prove, and protect, right? But then Richard Rohr, right? Mm-hmm. Richard Rohr, who is this theologian, says that true spiritual contentment is when there is nothing to hide, prove, or protect. Right. But when we can look at this and say, okay, this didn't work. I mean, even in business, this didn't work. That doesn't mean I'm a failure. That just means this didn't work. So my son and I read this book. It's called Going on a Bear Hunt, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. Right. And sometimes our greatest failures are actually our greatest teachers because they're teaching us, one, what we will accept, what we won't accept, what does work, what doesn't work in the season. And it gives us a frame of how to move forward. So when we can remove the shame and guilt associated with failure and understand, give ourselves a break to say, this is all feedback. Like, can I come into this situation as like, as a learner that this is teaching me something in relationships, right? Like, when we miss it in a relationship, that doesn't make you a failure. The problem comes in when our partner who is carrying their own wounds and baggage and assignments as well, mm-hmm. like labels as a failure. Right. Well, I might've missed something here, but like, can we look at where I am, where you are? Can we look at our, our histories, our traumas? And as men, we don't like to talk like that. It's not a language we really use, but mm-hmm. once you get into this whole world, it's a language you use all the time. Right. Right. So, okay, how are we, like, what led us to this place? Like, okay, was there unhealthy codependency? Were we trauma bonding? Like, what's happening? Not because we're failures. We failed here. This sucked. Mm -hmm. How do we learn from this? So when you can remove the idea that you're a failure and just look at failure as feedback, you give yourself permission to move forward into power. Yeah, even that phrase, let's all look at failure as feedback. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of other phrases, what we resist will persist. persist, and the lessons, all the greatest lessons I've learned, getting punched in the face, failing my licensure exam three times, like buying a house at a wrong, wrong time. Mm-hmm. If I'd have gone, oh, okay, well, I'm not meant to be a therapist or like she punched me in the face, didn't think that would happen. We're getting divorced or like, okay, never going to buy a house again, just whatever. Right. Rent. Then I'd be in a much, much different position than I am now, right? So sure. I want our listeners to actually think about, hey, that super shitty thing that you and your wife keep on arguing about over and over and over. Don't even think about what she's doing or not doing. I want you to think about how you are showing up. Like you said, okay, what are some triggers? Are we trauma bonding? All this stuff, attachment styles. Attachment styles are huge. Family of origin. You know this. We talk about it all the time. Oh, I learned how to be, you know, a douchebag husband because my dad was the worst or or, or whatever. Or like, I'm only critical because that's all my mom ever talked to, you know, uh, or how my mom talked to my dad. So we have to be willing to look at all of that stuff. In totally. Well, and you know, Seth, I, I was, you know, I, again, I grew up uh, in a, in an experience where uh, 
in, in one of the houses that I, I was raised in, like suicidal ideation was, I mean, that's the way that, that, that stress was coped with, mm. right? That was just common conversation. I'll just kill myself. I'm just going to kill myself. Right. Like that was everyday language. Mm-hmm. So it was, I didn't recognize that it wasn't normal. So when I would experience great bouts of stress in my adult life, that would be my go-to. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah, I'm just, okay, just, well. You know, and so it wasn't until I started to recognize how traumatic that was to people who didn't grow up like I grew up, mm-hmm. right? Not to say like how I grew up was bad or anything else. There were just some experiences that were less than healthy, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to take the good with the like perceptively bad. We have to, again, it's n- my parents aren't failures. The experience wasn't failing me. Like there was some failure in there. So I use it as feedback. Okay this actually isn't healthy at all. This is actually really, really detrimental. But mm-hmm. the, the problem with pain and the problem with trauma is if we don't transform it, we transmit it. It was transmitted to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I normalized it and I started to make it part of my experience. It wasn't until I then went to therapy, understood that it wasn't normal and that I actually could eradicate it from my own person and from my own behavior and from the ways in which I coped and that I could develop healthy ways in which to cope and and treat my own anxiety, frustration, and you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Well, now I transformed it and it doesn't get transmitted to my son. Right. You're not handing it down, right? I'm not passing it on. We, uh, we, it's a trauma he doesn't ever have to experience. Right. What, what a gift that we can give to our kids. This in is that why way. we do the work. Exactly. Right. And me and Melanie, we say you or parents out there are creating the family of origin of your kids right now. Yeah. So what are you doing? Are you, are you saying things like maybe one of your parents said, you know, are you, are we drinking? Are we like doing all this other stuff? Because then they're going to have to go to therapy for it or maybe not and just like suffer for it. So I love that. If we don't transform it, we'll transmit it. That's really, that's really good. Now I want to like kind of jump, jump back here for a minute. So I know that you were a pastor, right? Maybe our listeners don't, but I know you're a pastor for, I don't know, 15 years or so. 13. Yeah. 13 years. And then you Burnout, you had all these health issues that just was uh-huh. like, okay, boom, I'm just, I'm dying here, literally. literally. Like you're you're yeah. dying, right? Literally, yeah. Right. And then uh, I think we maybe have a, a, at least a, a similar experience in that. Like I grew up Christian, you know, in the church and all that stuff, and then moved out to Seattle and was still Christian. Me and Melly were very active in the church, but then stuff just kind of blew up. And I was like, ah, oh, what, what is, what is this? What, what is the church kind of? So, yeah. you know, I got to a point, I was like, whatever. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't, I don't want to say walk away from the church, but sure. what was your experience in that? Because over these last four years, I've seen you kind of like, Hey, you know, whatever, or maybe you weren't as vocal, but you're now kind of going back like yep, yeah, prayer, oh, dude, believing is... all that. So tell, tell me about that. So I got involved in ministry when I was 19. Mm-hmm. And I got involved not because there was like some huge call on my life and I had been committed to the Lord for my entire life. And it was like a season that there was like a dream that I had that was prophetic. And so I walked into this white light. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a church and a pastor saw something in me, right? He saw the potential in me. He saw that I was really good on stage. He saw that I had a particular look about me. He saw that I could speak well and I could, I could play music well and gave me a platform. I am grateful. I would not be where I'm at without it. Mm-hmm. The problem was I didn't have any maturity about me. And all I knew was I'm only as good as my last performance. You know, charismatic mega church, 
that was the frame and that was the experience. And so everything is very, very performance driven. And I got really, really addicted to being the best in the room. Again, three wing two, ENFJ, through and through, that's me. I am the guy that is so good at wearing a mask that I didn't know who I was without it. I never actually... I never matured to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, I was studying theology academically. I was doing everything I could to prove to everyone that I belonged where I was because deep down, I didn't feel like I did because I never felt good enough. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I was worthy of it. I didn't feel like I came from the right, like, home life. I didn't feel like I came from the right background. I didn't feel like my personality, like there was so much dissonance and, and so much internal angst and frustration um, that I didn't, like, I knew what to say, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't that I didn't believe, I did. Like, I, I loved what I was doing, but I hadn't really had, I didn't have the seasoning. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the maturity. I was, I was, oh, not, I mean, I'm not a robot, but kind of. Like, right. I was just the product of my environment. And yeah. I was good at it until yeah. it almost killed me. So then I stepped out of uh, occupational ministry back in 2017 and bro, I went so far mm. to the other side mm-hmm. simply because I was so hurt and pissed. Right. Um, I didn't have the accountability. I didn't have, and that's not the church's fault. It's not an indictment or anything else. Like mm-hmm. I was just so good at wearing a mask that nobody knew anything was wrong. Right. And, and I didn't even know how to let accountability into my life because I felt like as somebody in ministry, everything had to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was just hurt, man. I was hurt. I was frustrated. Um, I felt like all of my identity had been stripped. Like I had been a pastor since I was 19, right? Yeah. I had been in occupational ministry since 19. And then I wasn't. I went through my first divorce when I was in ministry. So then I wasn't a husband anymore. Yeah. I was a full-time dad. And then I wasn't a full-time dad anymore. And so like everything was gone. But dude, I prayed the right prayers. I tithed. I went on mission trips. I was the first one in and the last one out. Like, God, what the actual hell? Mm-hmm. Right? In the midst of my divorce, I lost several family members and friends to various unrelated tragedies that were absolutely horrific. Right? In the midst of that, I go septic because, again, I'm leading all these funerals, being all things to all people, wondering, God, what in the hell? Like, I'm doing everything. Like, what kind of weird Job test is this? (laughs) Right. And so when I stepped out, I was just done. I was like, dude, I'm out. Like, if that's faith, like, forget it. I'm out. I am out. I literally almost like sacrificed my soul, my sanity, and my life on the altar of this ministry. Like, I'm done. Yeah. And, and then I went on a journey and dude, I mean, I was, I went like woo for a while and like contemplative spirituality and new age. And like, I started reading books for myself, not because I was trying to ace an apologetics uh, test on why Christianity was right. Right. And so I, I just removed all of the need to be right and all of the need to prove and protect things. And I was just like, I don't even know. I don't even care anymore. Like I, whatever you believe is fine. And through the course of that, I started, the, 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 the frustration started to loosen a little bit. And I started recognizing again through therapy that maybe this wasn't actually God at all. 
maybe this was just my own patterns and insecurities and triggers and all of the ways in which I've been conditioned to show up because of my personality type, which was based off of a series of events that have been ongoing for my entire life. And maybe if I could work on those things, maybe there could be some reconciliation because of all the stories that I read, like the Jesus story made the most sense to me. Mm. Now, I'm not a biblical literist. I've never been, I've never been a biblical literalist. It's not my frame. Like I, we're not going to get into like proof texting and scripture. Like we're not going to get onto all that because like you can be right. I don't care. I literally could care less six days, 6,000 years, 6 billion years. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What I care about is the way that a man lived his life. And I care about the way that that frames my context of humanity and spirituality and beginning and end alpha omega and eternity and a kingdom mindset of bearing the kingdom now on earth as it is in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, that I can get into. Right. And I found my way back into the church probably about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And of all of the communities, uh, I found myself back at uh, at a church that I'd never attended before that was pastored by a dear friend of mine who went through uh, trauma at the same time that I did. He lost his father. His father was the pastor of this church. And then he took it over. Mm-hmm. His mom took it over for a season and then, and then he stepped into the reins. And there was just something so kindred a- about him and how he was like leading with a limp through all of this. And he wasn't trying to be perfect or polished and it didn't feel like it needed to be that. Mm-hmm. And there was something, it was like, all right, like this, this I can link arms with. Like you, you understand pain and you understand trauma and you understand that like we're all just trying to figure this out i can get behind i can get i can get with that yeah how how did that feel when uh, like when you walked away from stuff like okay whatever like you know not like what you were doing but maybe yeah. the because it feels like there was a lot less pressure and for for maybe maybe the first yeah. time in your life you were actually you were yeah you were i mean it was beat. dude Right. Man, it, come on. It was, the, it was the kid who grew up in church and then turned 21 and went to college and just literally turned up every freaking set of shoes they had on a beer bong for the first time in their life, just tapping kegs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, you just go a little wild. And I yeah. went a little wild, like, because I mean, dude, the front face of my first website was me flipping off the camera saying <laughs> every one of your excuses will be greeted with the same finger. Like right. I just had something to prove. Like I just, I had never been able to just let loose. And I just mm-hmm. let loose. Every other word was the F word. Um, that was kind of like my thing. Like it was a lot of profanity. It was a lot of, I mean, just downright, honestly, almost bullying, mm-hmm. just bullying people into this idea of polarity because I understood marketing. And so I understood marketing from the church context of like context of attraction marketing through this radical grace. So then I went, flipped it and I said, cool, we're going to go for radical polarization mm. and that's how I'm going to market. And it felt really good, dude. I'm not going to lie. My ego yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, but what I recognize, dude, is like, one, I heard like, dude, I was a youth pastor for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I confused all my kids, all my kids. They felt like they didn't even know me anymore. A lot of them right. unfollowed me. They were hurt, dude. Like they were yeah. so hurt. Like Parents you've lost it. You've backslidden all the, all the church language. Like, okay. It wait was, a minute. Yeah. It was just like, Cody has lost his mind. And mm-hmm. in, in, in a lot of ways, I, I didn't lose my mind. Uh, I just, uh, I lost all care 
of what I thought the perception of people caring about me was Mm -hmm. because I I needed to like, it's, it's the true story of the prodigal. I just needed to go squander everything. I needed to go my own path. I need, I needed to go. And and thankfully I never got to the point where I was, you know, eating from like the stables of the pigs, but uh, I had to go away for a while. And what was really beautiful about the experience is like, there was a lot of humility in coming back to the church, but in the sense of like, Oh, is this me now? Like, am I the guy coming back? Is like, and and you know, Paul, who's my pastor, and and everyone uh, at my church community, like, they were the father who wrapped the robe, mm-hmm. and that was really wow. beautiful. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That's like, oh, okay, yeah. acceptance. This yeah. is what this is what that looks like. Which yeah, can get really messed up in other church settings yeah. and stuff like that. Totally. But this, yeah. I, it, it, it's funny. And the reason I'm asking this, cause I've known that about your story, obviously just sure. social media and, you know, coaching relationship, yeah. but uh, Melanie and I have, have uh, kind of gone away from that. Like, we, I mean, we mm-hmm. were like doing music 24 seven in our church for 10 years, mega church totally. out here in Seattle and everything. Then that blew up and the pastor just, mm-hmm. it was a whole another shit show, but uh, then we we're just like, okay, whatever. And now we're finding ourselves in a different a different season. And it's almost like we say this all the time with our coaching clients, we go to what we know. And I find that we're going back to intense prayer, intense. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really beautiful. It's not like we never, you know, we didn't completely walk away or, you know, turn our back on God or anything like that. But it's just so powerful and reassuring to some degree, you know, yeah. and it's, it's just not like, it's just like speaks to, to your heart in a, in a certain way. And of course we have all kinds of listeners, you know, and we kind of frame it now. It's like, what's your higher power? What is guiding you uh, to, to something different? You, you know what I'm saying? So especially sure. with, with couples when they're on the same page, like, okay, when you guys get in a fight and you get all triggered and stuff like that, what's going to bring you out of what is, it's like Simon Sinek right. talks about what's your why? Cause if we yeah. have a why we can do any how kind of thing. Um, so we were really like framing it like that. There was something else that I wanted to ask you. Um, a, a book that you should read together. Yeah. If you, if you, ha- so there's, there's a book called a spring within us. It's by uh-huh. Richard Rohr. Mm-hmm. It's the book of daily meditations. And it's beautiful. It's contemplative. It's got some Enneagram stuff in it. It's, it, it, it blends all the things, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's obviously face face like, okay, it's that's good. awesome. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll include that in the notes. I've never heard of that book, but I'll, I'll yeah. definitely check it out. Um, okay. So, uh, one thing when, when you were talking about how, you know, when you were kind of like in the bullying phase at this and at that, let's go yeah, fucking yeah. Fast and all this stuff. So I, I think uh, a lot of guys like to hear that because it's like, yeah, okay, let's go, you know, bench press 380 or whatever, which, which that's like, <laughs> yeah, which there is something to physical capability. Like I'm all about like health is one of our pillars. So like, mm-hmm. I want you to be physically capable and strong if that's within, you know, if that's within capability of your physical nature and that's a possibility. Yeah. 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 So what is the difference? Because I, it's weird. I'm a therapist and we've talked about this, like right. going from a therapist to like the coaching. It, it's, it's so, it's very different. Right. And yeah. I know that I have achieved the greatest things in my life when I've, when somebody's pushing me, challenging sure. me, uh, kind of bringing me to that. Right. And I really enjoy doing that with our coaching clients. What is, what's, what's the, um, Cause I can fall into that really easy uh, of like, come on, you got to kick everybody's ass in the thing and you can do this and yeah. blow up the whole yeah. world, which that feels good. Sure. I'm not doing it out of ego because I, I struggle with the same stuff too. It's like, I don't want to wake up at five this morning. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to yeah. do keto. I don't want to do this. 
but it's like, I need to hear that and get that kind of not motivation because I know it's here, but just that kick in the ass reminder, like, Oh, okay. Yep. You're right. Let's, let's yep. go. Stop, stop talking yourself out of it. So what, what is the balance that you found like with some of your coaching clients in that? Where's the like, okay, this person just needs to be completely heard right now. and just seeing like, I see you bro. Rather than, okay, stop the bullshit, go get up and do it kind of thing. Right. What, 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 what's that balance for you in that when you're coaching clients? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all completely contextual, right? So whether someone needs to be, you know, have like a pretty strong, like, you know, swift kick in the ass, or we need to slow down, we need to back up. Uh, so much of that comes down to the, like the contextualization of, of where they're at and what they're up against, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if we're looking at, you even look at like the fear of something, right? Like if, if we don't want to go some, go do something simply because we're afraid because it's unknown. Yeah. Cool. We're going to push past that. And like, no, you're going to go do it because if you want what you haven't had, you've got to do what you haven't done before. So now we're going to put these frameworks in place. You're going to adhere to these habits. These are your daily non-negotiables. Like this, this is what we're going to do. You're going to let me know when these things are done and that's it. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a different frame when we're afraid to do something because it's butting up against some sort of deep-seated trauma and you can tell. Mm-hmm. Now, front-facing, most guys aren't going to know the difference. That's why having a coach or a mentor or a therapist, someone who is well-versed in being able to recognize certain patterns and certain triggers and certain ways in which you're going to respond to things, like that's why that's so important. And that's also why so many people get like, honestly, like, are worse off than when they started in some experiences with coaches and therapists because so many are working out their own traumas in real time through their clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if they're not doing the work actively within themselves, again, what did we say about pain five minutes ago? If it's not transformed, it's transmitted. I don't care how good you think you are. You mm-hmm. are transferring trauma into them by trying to work out, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. You know, like one of the, one of the things that I find to be interesting is... I'll talk to guys who have been through experiences uh, of coaching where it is Navy SEAL style, like intense shaming, hanging things around your neck of everything that you've done, blindfolding you, putting you in the mud and the ocean, all this like, like screaming in your face, like break you down to build you up. Mm-hmm. And you know what's really consistent with all of them? They all had, for the majority, really toxic, abusive fathers. Mm. And so the reason that you know, nobody's talking, we're talking about it. The reason that's so appealing to you is because you're looking for the person who's yelling at you to eventually give you confirmation that you never got before. And the only way that that works is if you experience the same trauma that you experienced as a kid. Ah. Is it useful? That's, that's not my, that's not how I coach. Mm-hmm. I don't find that use. I mean, again, I think it can be. Uh, that's not how, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it takes all kinds, but understand we typically gravitate towards the thing that was traumatic to us. So uh, for me, it's really taking a step back and, and looking at the motivators and the drivers, right? Like, why am I not wanting to do this thing? Is it because it's uncomfortable? Is it because it's, it's creating a real trigger in me that's like pushing up against something that like I probably, I actually probably need to do some internal work on 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I just go try to confront it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to confront it with energy and anxiety and push movement forward, which is just another way of saying man up, bury your shit and just move forward, put your boots on. That doesn't help anything that just buries it deeper. Right. So, I think we've had enough of that in kind of, you know, how I don't know, maybe some male culture going on. It's like, oh, we, that that's not helpful. Right. And I can say that as a coach, just as a regular dude and also as a therapist, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that we're having to unlearn all this stuff. Right. Right. Um, uh, but then also really appreciating like what real masculinity is and how yeah. different that is from feminine, the feminine energy and the masculine energy is like, oh man, that's so crazy. And when we look at it different, not in that like toxic kind of, you know, right. kind of thing mindset, it's like right. those types of men who, who are, are who I uh, am, am talking about are a billion times stronger than those other dudes who are just like, you exactly. Know. Like, again, everything is contextual. Like you've done the work mm-hmm. you, and, and now we're thrusting someone into something they've never experienced before. And they don't have the emotional capacity to be able to process what you've spent decades processing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, and it, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Like so, you uh, can't wrap all that up into a few days. No, no, it's it, <laughs> 90 days, six months. We do 90 day coaching. Uh, but yeah. uh, oftentimes takes, we're like, hold on, we're, we're just getting started at 90 yeah. days. You know, sometimes clients don't want to hear that, but it's like, yeah. okay, you make that investment. You have skin in the game. If you actually do want to take the island, you got to burn all the boats, not yep. give yourself the option of like, okay, I'm going to slink back here because that's yeah. what you've been doing, you know, for, for 30 years, for 40 years, however right. old you are. And one thing I, I really like to say about coaching is we all think, especially men, we all think, oh, I'll just listen to a podcast or listen to a book or not even do those things. And I'll just white knuckle this thing until I die to prove what, I don't know, nothing. Um, We think we can do it alone, but if we would have done it, if if we could have done it, guess what? You would have done it by now. You would have done it by now. Oh, I'll just read another book. No, you won't. Well, yeah, you'll read another book, but you'll still thinking, you'll still be thinking, well, let me go to that conference or let me listen to this new podcast or do this. No, we we need help. We need accountability. We need that pushing and coaching. So I want to talk briefly and I'll be mindful of your time here about yeah. uh, the, the physical routine. Like what is your either maybe current, I know kind of, you know, we all go through like, okay, I'm hitting it hard for 90 days or, or whatnot, but what is your, your current kind of physical regimen, you know, anything from uh, self-care, meditation, reading, water, what, what time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? What does that look like for you right now? Yeah. And mine's been fairly consistent for, for a while. Um, so I, I'm typically at between three forty-five and four, and that's not because like I think it's some magic number. I just have gotten up at that time for a long time just because it takes me a while to, to work through my routine. And that was, that's where it made sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, some people like would like quote unquote say they're not a morning person. Like I am, like I'm the guy that since I was a kid, when I wake up, I'm ready. Like I am literally a squirrel on Adderall. I am just ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't even matter if I got an hour of sleep when that I don't have an alarm. I just wake up at the same time and it's just a thing. Now, granted, I'll fall asleep at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what that's about. Other questions like what? Do, yeah. When you hit yeah, this, when I stop, like typically around, I don't know, 10 o'clock, like I'm I'm done for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I wake up, um, I, I'll drink a couple glasses of water. Um, I'll usually drink a green drink, um, you know, like first form or something, um, mm-hmm. hashtag not an ad <laughs> and right. yeah, uh, then I'll, I'll come back. And, uh, the first thing I do is I think of three things that I'm grateful for mm-hmm. and I spend a couple minutes just really in gratitude and then I pray. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I pray for my myself. I pray for my family. I pray for uh, my friends. Um, I pray for the people that I know. I pray for the people that I don't. Uh, and then I spend time in the word. And uh, when I'm spending time in the word, I'm also writing. So every morning I write a sermon and mm-hmm. I keep those in comp books. And what's interesting is like, I'm not a pastor anymore, but I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading the word with fresh eyes now in the ways in which like, I want my son to hear it from a man, from a man who's been through some things in his life now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one day I'll give him all those comp books. Wow. Um, That's cool. And so, uh, when I'm done with that, I, I take a look over my day. And so I make sure there's nothing glaring at me in my inbox or that any of my team, uh, cause we've got a, you know, we've got a team of 12 now. And so making sure that like, there's nothing glaring that, uh, that needs to be addressed before I hit the gym. So then I hit the gym. Um, that's going to be a combination of your standard bro lifts, you know, mm-hmm. like back and buys and chest and tries and legs and abs and yeah. core. Yeah. Uh, and then I also incorporate a lot of circuit training and hit style training. So mm-hmm. uh, I am 37, so I don't pretend like I'm 20 anymore. Uh, but that to say, uh, I'm a really big believer in making sure that, uh, that from a, uh, like a physiological standpoint, we're at our peak. So I, every client that I have, uh, I make sure that they get, get all their labs done. So make sure that your testosterone, your estrogen, your cortisol, your blood count, and that everything is where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like when you talk about protocol, I'm a guy that's on TRT. I've been on TRT for years, ever mm-hmm. since 2016 when I went through hormonal shutdown, it just never rebounded. So mm-hmm. um, that helps me with my performance uh, in the gym. And so I typically work out for about an hour, hour and a half, and it is intense. I mean, it is, there's a lot of days that like I'll push myself to throwing up and it's not because of the ego. It's just, I'm an athlete and I I just want to know that I gave it my all. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, I come back, typically listen to a podcast on my way back and uh, take a shower, make some breakfast. That's going to be a high protein, high fat breakfast, uh, Mm -hmm. no carbs. Eat, uh, usually down three or four more glasses of water, uh, take my morning supplements, and then I start into my day and I take, you know, my first call right around 8.30 or 9. Okay, that's awesome. So uh, we we had Hal Elrod on the show a couple of weeks yeah. ago, right? Miracle, Miracle Morning. Morning guy is awesome, you know. And yeah. I was just, wait a minute, you're you're hitting all the SAVERS, the SAVERS acronyms, right? Uh, scribing, um, I can't think of it, but, you know, like journaling, meditation, prayer, exercise, mm-hmm. water, yeah. uh, visualization, all this stuff. You're yep. you're hit, You're hitting that, right? Yeah. So what do you do? Like, what can you tell, um, uh, kind of covertly me, but really sure. our listeners, okay. When you are off of, of something or you're like, oh, I don't want to wake up. Like, you know, is there anything that you just kind of, or some, maybe you're not even thinking that way because you've been in the same routine for so long, yeah. but when you're like, Oh man, I'm kind of not feeling it, you know, uh, worked out yesterday, threw up yesterday. What, what, what do you, what do you say to yourself there? Uh, I woke up. And it, even if I'm tired, I'll throw a scoop of pre-workout <laughs> in a shaker and I'll drink it. And within 15 minutes, I'm good to go, right? Mm-hmm. Enough. Because uh, again, while I say I wake up every morning bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, which for the most part I do, there are mornings that I'm off, right? I'm not mm-hmm. superhuman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I recognize uh, that one, like, every morning I ask the same question, what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I would be? Mm-hmm. And what that means is that my complacency has to die. And so if I, if I'm a product of, of, of my word, and if I say I'm going to do something and I'm going to hold myself accountable to that, then that means that I have to get up mm-hmm. because I also recognize that there are people that can't get up. There are people that don't get up. And the only thing that separates me from the person that's going to go further than me is that they're going to get up and they're going to start moving. And I didn't. So they got a head start. Mm. 
And so this, this isn't a conversation of, of me trying to prove anything to anyone else. Like I don't have anything to prove anyone at this point, right? This is just an inner conversation and inner promise that I made to myself that, listen, like you've been given a real gift here in this life mm-hmm. and treat it as such. Again, like I give myself a little bit of, of leeway because in the mornings before I go to the gym, like I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm, 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 I'm able to then kind of, again, my pre-workout will kick in, like I'm able to wake up and I'm able to get active enough to, to the point that by the time, you know, six o'clock rolls around, I'm ready for the gym. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned diet. Are you doing keto, slow carb, zero carb? What, what works best for you? Yeah. I mean, I just try to not eat shit. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, I just try. Do I that just, diet. Don't eat shit. Yeah, I just, I'm like, just don't eat like an asshole right. and uh, drink lots of water. So uh-huh. uh, for me, it, it means that, uh, you know, everything is probably going to be either meat or it's going to come from the earth. I don't really eat anything that's processed. So you can call it more of like a paleo. Mm-hmm. Um, I am pretty limited on carbs. The the only carbs that I'm typically going to eat are going to be something like sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do any bread. Um, I don't do any dairy and it's, it's simply like the bread just sits on me weird. I don't like rice cause it makes me bloated. I don't feel good. Yeah. Um, and I don't drink milk because I just, I, I've never understood why you would drink an animal's breast milk. I don't right. get it. I don't right. understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It never did. So, um, uh, that's it for me. I try to drink as much water. I've been drinking through this whole conversation. The glass is empty. Like I'm mm-hmm. constantly drinking water. Yeah. Um, and so all of us have nervous ticks. I've turned my nervous tick into drinking water. Nice. Um, I mean, it's useful. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have my, well, where is it right here? It's my half gallon giant ass water bottle. Put a little dose of um, apple cider vinegar in there. And uh, so I take ACV pills three times mm-hmm. a day. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right on. Uh, it's, yeah. it's so good. Right. So That's all right, um, I want to wrap this up here. So tell please. me one thing uh, you're saying, please wrap it up. <laughs> no, not please wrap it up. I know, I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we can go all day, man. <laughs> so tell me one thing that, you know, in, it doesn't matter what space it's in or let's, you know, we haven't even talked about it. What is one thing right now that is bringing you like jazz? Like, man, yeah, I'm, I'm just into RC car racing or anything like that. What is one thing that you're like, I love this right now. What is that for you? Co-parenting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned like I, I, had, I had been married, got divorced when I was in the church. I, I recently, uh, within the past year, went through another divorce. And mm-hmm. um, one of the really, you know, and that's, uh, that, uh, that always, you know, uh, it, it's good in ways and it sucks in ways. And, but one of the things that's been really healing over the last several months is being able to, to reconnect with my co-parents and to be able to do life together and live life together and to be able to partner in, in, in how we, we raise our son together. And so, again, we talk about if you don't transform it, you transmit it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I love my parents. I think they're great. Um, they didn't talk when I was a kid. I, mm-hmm. there, there was literally growing up, I, there was never a time when I was a kid. Now, now granted, for part of this, my mother moved away. Mm-hmm. They've, they've never sat down at a table together. I've never had dinner with my parents. I've never been to an event with my parents. They, we've never literally in my life, I've never sat down with both my parents Wow! in the same room. And I was creating that. Mm-hmm. I was creating that. I, I was literally transferring that trauma 
and creating scenarios that didn't exist to justify a concept in my mind of what I thought was normal, mm-hmm. right? And being able to then through the, the hard work of therapy and understanding patterns and understanding you know, where things are healthy and well, where things aren't, have, uh, have been able to then through a lot of humility and a lot of grace, uh, be able to come back into that, uh, that situation and to be able to heal wounds and, uh, you know, my, I don't want to speak for her, my, my son's mom, like her scenario was the same, her, her, uh, biological dad and mom, they never, they, they never sat down. They were never together never. Wow. And so for us, there was so, there's been so much healing in that for, for all of us. Um, and again, I didn't want like my, my, my son's stepdad was the same. He, mm-hmm. he didn't know his dad growing up. And, uh, the fact that we all get to do this together and the fact that like most guys like hate the stepdad and uh, he's, I, I was celebrating him last weekend, all weekend as his kids, uh, his high school basketball team went to state and, and got state runner up. Like I was at every game mm. and uh, to be able to have that kind of camaraderie and bond, like I don't, there's so much that's being healed in me but that also is creating the experience that I always wanted for my, like I'll get emotional that I always wanted for my son. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that the work that you did individually, like doing things like building your confidence, becoming the man that you want to be now is translating into a healthy relationship for your son. Because if you were like crazy jealous or or weird or insecure uh, about yourself, toxicity, it's just creating toxicity in the toxicity in the conversation. Like a year ago, year and a half ago, we couldn't communicate outside of attorneys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you're doing the work, right? And so yeah. you're not all weird. So oh, yeah. you can have a good relationship for the for the for the yeah. make to to make it easier for your kid, like emotionally, yeah. physically, like everything. So yeah. it's like that. That just hit me really interestingly. Uh, get right. And then other stuff around you will get right. Everything, dude, you, if, if you've watched over the last few months, I'm like, <laughs> like the trajectory of my career, mm-hmm. it's been, dude, it's been insane. Yeah. And it's the, the healthier, the, the healthier that, that we get, the more, you know, opportunity presents itself. And the more then we're open to then receive it and not be afraid of it and step full in again yeah. to the promise of purpose that, that that's laid out for us. Right. And so recognizing even, even, 20 years ago when I was in ministry and I didn't know what I was doing, that that pulpit was always preparation for the platform that was planned for me. It all had to happen in the way that it did. And so listeners, like, I think what I'd leave you with is that like, instead of everything, like, oh, all this happened to me, like Mm. it all had to happen this way. It it all had to, and some of it's unfortunate, some of it's traumatic, some of it's tragic, and some of it, like, some of it is really hard to reconcile and some of it can't be reconciled, but you're here. Mm-hmm. So your story wouldn't be what it is without it. And so we can, we can try to reconcile what things would have been like romanticizing a past that never existed, mm-hmm. right? But all we do is we, we keep ourselves stuck in a frame that, that doesn't, we can't break out of. And yeah. so changing it to, it all had to happen. Uh, my buddy JC Keneally, the coach JC, he says this, it all had to happen. And that life isn't happening. It's not happening to you. It's all happening for you. Right. Yeah. I I could say a bunch of other stuff, but I'll 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 leave it at that, right? Get in that mindset. It's not it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. 
Yeah. The sooner we get that, the sooner we can actually go to where we want to go. Right. So yeah. Cody, my man, tell yeah. our listeners where they can go to find anything you want them to find. Oh, I mean, just do you find the easiest place to find me is on social media and that where I find everybody. So Cody mm-hmm. underscore Jefferson on Instagram, Cody Jefferson on Facebook. I mean, I feel like everybody's got a story. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm a guy who's, who's made his, his whole living off of his ability to tell stories. And so I would love to hear yours. So please just shoot me a message. We'd love to connect with you if this resonates uh, to put your favorite point in your stories or something and we'll reshare it. It'd be fun. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy and I Brother, appreciate it. Not only, not only this time, but the coaching stuff as well. You know, thanks, man. Thank really you. proud of you. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right, bro. We'll talk to you later. All right.